Rockheads, this is Carl with an update on Music to Code By. On January 4th, 2016, I released the 11th Music to Code By track, Gold. That's right, there are now 11 25-minute tracks, including the original three. And you can download them all in one big zip file for less than 50 bucks at mtcb.poit.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1280, with guest Charles Stacy Harris. Recorded Thursday, March 17th, 2016. Well, what do you know? It's time for .NET Rocks again. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Here we are. Um, uh, not much going on this week except a big gig in uh, Westerly, Rhode Island, uh, this Saturday. And it's been, you know, having horn players in the band is like herding cats. Seriously. Why is that? Because they can't all rehearse on the same day. And so oh, you, right. unless you have a gig, it's hard to get them all together. But I convinced all, all the players in the band to get together for a, a rehearsal where we run through the whole night that we're playing Saturday, top to bottom, and we're going to chord all of it. So Neat. there are going to be videos and uh, audio recordings of all the songs that we're that we do, most of the songs that we do over the course of a night. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, it's almost like a rehearsal gig, then, isn't it? It is a rehearsal gig. It's like a dress rehearsal, right? That gets recorded. That's cool. Yeah, that's what's going on tonight. What's happening with you? I, you know, it's all about getting the basement finished, man. Right. I'm inventing a light fixture. Inventing a light fixture? Yes. This is a light fixture that's actually built around an acoustic tile. So, it's a, it'll be on my ceiling for absorbing reflected sound, make the recording sound as good as possible. Nice. And then I'm edging it with LED lighting. Ooh. Fancy. Fancy schmancy. Yeah. Well, let's not waste any more time and we'll get right to the music for Better Know a Framework. Awesome. <laughs> All right, man, what do you got? Well, I found an interesting uh, library uh, out there on the interwebs that was trending. It's Vue.js, and that's V-U-E. Oh, my. So this is somebody's library that they put together for building web interfaces. And directly off the website, together with some other tools, you can also call it a framework, although it is more like a set of optional tools that work together really well. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've never heard of or used Vue before, you're probably thinking, great, yet another JavaScript framework. I get it. Turns out Vue is particularly new. I started working on its prototype almost two years ago, and the first public release was February 2014. Over time, it's been evolving, and today many are using it in production. And I thought, I went and looked at it and uh, thought some of the the elements of it were pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. There's some components and, and things, you know, maybe not in the capacity of a web component, you know, with a capital C, but there are these little pieces and stuff that you, that you put together. And, and if you're a web developer, you probably have one of these yourself, right? Yeah, just a collection of things that all fit together to solve a problem that you go back to again and again and again. 
So anyway, I thought it was interesting. Some people also on the webs are finding it interesting. And it is at 1280.pwop.me. Nice. All right. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah. Probably have to end up doing a show on this at some point just because, maybe you know, there were so many different ways to tackle this web rendering problem. Yeah, maybe. And um, it's also just, it'd be interesting to just pick a bunch of web developers that we talk to regularly and say, you know, what's in your... What's in your side toolbox that, you know, that you save from project to project to project? Because everybody has like wrappers around Ajax calls, for example, and that kind of stuff, unless they're using jQuery or something. But yeah. Yeah. And it's an interesting problem that it, how many times do you use the same toolkit twice? Right. Right. Like that's also an issue. Yeah. I mean, I reuse my code all the time. So you would hope. Yeah, but, yeah, but I think you know a lot of folks. Like I, we we talked to uh, to Dan Willeen, right? And he's like, oh, I don't know if I've actually used the same toolkit twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's you know he's one of those guys too that's always trying the new thing. Yep. All right, man. Who's talking to us? Uh, grabbed a comment off of show eleven oh eight, the one we did with Karen Johnson back in March of twenty fifteen. We were talking about mobile testing strategies, and there was a whole portion of that conversation that talked about wearables, which I thought related back to today's show. Yeah, and Grant Smith had this interesting comment, which I think is going to be a talking point going through this whole thing about wearables. Uh, regarding Ms. Johnson's discussion of wearables and her statement about fast notifications being great because it prevents her from having to look rude, digging for and checking her phone during meetings. I'm wondering if she's ever had any experience with someone thinking she was rude for constantly checking her watch. Huh. I wear an Android Wear device, the Moto 360, and have had to explain to multiple folks that I was only glancing at the notifications and not checking the time because I had to be somewhere else I needed to be, which like, duh. If you see someone constantly looking at their watch while you're talking to them, it's like, am I boring you? You got, you know, you got to go. uh, That's the George Herbert Walker Bush uh, losing the debate to Clinton problem, right? Because he looked at his watch when Clinton looked at his watch and people dinged him for that. Yeah, immediately. Well, and it, you know, and this gets back to a sort of reality with all of these devices where attention is the most valuable thing you can give anyone these You're days. Right. You're We've right. never had such a lack of attention. You know, like it's just so hard to focus on one thing, whether it's on the on the wrist or on the in the on the phone, it doesn't really matter, but it it's just a laugh to think back, "Oh yeah, that's what watches used to do." Right. You know, watches used to be a way for you to indicate that you needed to move on. Mm. And, and Grant finished off with saying, now that those folks know, they don't really think anything of it, but I have to wonder how many people think I'm rudely signaling I don't want to be talking to them because I glance at my watch all the time. And I'm still trying to figure out, isn't it rude to be checking for messages from somebody else? Like, I really don't want to talk to you. I'm hoping I get a message from somebody important. Right. Yeah. It's, it's more I don't rude. Know it's actually better. No, no, you're right. It's, it's more rude to not be looking at the time, but to actually be reading communications yeah. from somebody else. Ah, uh, there's a useful message for me, because what you're doing, not <laughs> a bit important at all. Yeah, uh, interesting problem. And it, and there is this whole element of the social contracts that we're working on. I, I'm just amazed at how quickly we've adapted to the fact that you whip out your phone and look at it mid-conversation. Like, right. that's not even that weird. Yeah. You know, I remember the wife, before she ever had a smartphone, but the girls had them, and she was annoyed the girls had the smartphones at the table. And she's like, how do we get make a rule to keep the f- smartphones off the table? And I'm like, I got a solution. And I gave her a smartphone. Yeah. When my, she had one and she was also checking it, then the girls were annoyed and then we could have a conversation. Yeah, that's what happened with me, actually. My my kids uh, dinged me for bringing my phone to the table. I said, okay, no more phones at the table. So I left yeah. mine, I left mine uh, 
somewhere else. And but did they follow their own rules? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh no, no, Dad, you you can't look at your phone, <laughs> yeah. but uh, we uh, that's crazy talk. <laughs> but I think there, and I don't mean to beat this to death, but I think there is a, a sort of um, an allowed amount of seconds, maybe it's two or three, with which you can glance and look back up, just like you're looking at your watch. But if you glance and are head down and you furrow your brows and, you know, now and somebody's talking to you, that's where it's rude. I mean, so, you're yeah, clearly it's shutting them out. degrees of distraction. Right. We expect some distraction, but not too much. Yeah. And if, <laughs> if I do that, and it's usually because there's some customer or something that's having a baby, you know. And, uh, and I'm a little concerned. I just, I look, I notice it, I put it down and I say, I apologize. You know, there's a fire that I have to put out when we're done talking. That's all. Well, so we, we're all now playing the, uh, you know, I'm an obstetrician carrying a pager game now. Right. Is that it? What I do is so important that for right. the next 10 minutes, I cannot focus solely on you. I have to be aware of this other thing. But it tells you, it does tell you how to, how to, uh, win friends and influence people, for lack of a better word. If you really want to, uh, make yourself valuable to somebody, as you said, Richard, give them the thing that they don't get from other people. And that is your full attention. Undivided, undivided attention is yeah. a rare and precious thing. Yeah. So, Grant, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media. We publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, he's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. And send us tweets. We use them for target practice. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's introduce uh, Charles Stacy Harris III, or just plain Stacy since he says the Charles is silent. Uh, Stacy is a software architect at the Microsoft Technology Center in Detroit, Michigan. Stacy's been with Microsoft since 1992, and in that time, he's developed a wide range of software, including device drivers for custom hardware, ooh, hardcore, mm. customer service applications, e-commerce websites, prototypes for advanced aircraft instrumentation, and he was even on loan to the Microsoft Cluster Server development team for a short time. Welcome back to the show, Stacy. Well, hey, thanks. So, so can I comment on the comment? Oh, please. Yeah, absolutely. So I, as you were saying that, I was thinking, well, the best way to not appear rude is to not be rude. Ah, mm. there you go. I just <laughs> take all the fun out of it. It's simple. But, but you know, these days we have two-factor auth, and uh, so I'm constantly having to go to my phone for that second factor. So right. either my phone will ring and I have to enter a pin or I have to use an app to get a pin. So when I'm a room full of customers and I log on to the Azure portal. I have to hold up my phone and explain I'm not being rude right now, mm. but the only way I'm going to complete this is through my phone. My phone is now calling me so that I can finish this and get into the portal. Yeah. Uh, and that always leads to discussions about two factor auth, but <clears throat> it's interesting. Sure but those isn't. aren't bad discussions either, because we got to do more <laughs> of that. So uh, when I read that you uh, were had done device drivers, I immediately thought, "Oh, true geek, C plus plus guy," oh, yeah, yeah. or maybe even C. Were you writing them in C? C? We, we were writing them in C. This was for um, really ancient um, early touchscreen uh, cash registers. Wow! And they had um, oh, I can't. It was um, ArcNet cards in them, so they weren't even. 
like you know your standard Ethernet cards today. They had ArcNet cards and uh, little processors, and every once in a while the tra- the cash registers would uh, dump out their data to a network somewhere, and uh, I had to go in and help write drivers for those things. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah, I was a Novell certified ArcNet installer. Oh wow! Did you go through the twelve step program? Jeez. Wow. Well, anyway, it's, it's really great to have you back on the show. We've done a lot of geeky things with you, uh, on .NET Rocks in the past, and I encourage people to go listen to those shows. But now it's all about the band. It is all about the band. Getting the band together. Got one. Yeah. We're (laughs) getting the band together. We're on a mission from God. Yeah, you know, and I started this, uh, I was kind of just curious about the band, but uh, Microsoft has this initiative that uh, the Microsoft Technology Centers are sort of leading with some of our customers. We have other folks in our evangelism groups and uh, what we now call DX doing some of the stuff as well, but we call it more personal computing initiatives. And one of those things was how can we use wearable technology like the band to make computing more personal and to make people's lives uh, better and more mm-hmm. seamless when they interact with technology. Uh, so I, I was tasked with developing a workshop for the thing and I kind of fell in love with it. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually very cool and very easy to program. We're, we're going to get into how easy to program it is. But one of the first questions that I had was, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of us that aren't desktop developers and we're not, uh, phone developers. There's just a lot of straight up web developers out there. And is there any easy way to, uh, sort of get at the data that my band is generating and maybe through some generic program that just says, take all the data and send it to the cloud where I can then parse it and look at it, you know, just using a plain vanilla website? Yeah, there, there are two uh, two ways to do that today. The, the The first way is the Microsoft Health APIs. Uh, so if you go to the band uh, developer uh, website, one of the things that you'll see there is a section on the Microsoft Health APIs. And you can get a lot of that data there. So that data is sent by the Microsoft Health app that's on uh, usually on your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes uh, people do sync with their desktop machines or laptops as well. And so you can get the data there. Uh, and that's one way. You, you're not going to get everything that you want that way. You're going to get the things that Microsoft Health kind of deems important. And you'll get aggregates of some things. And you won't re- really have a lot of control over how often you get that data. Wow. The second option is to write a small application that's just generic, that just subscribes to the band sensors on the frequency that you determine and just sends that data to a website somewhere. Right. Sends it to you know Azure Blob Storage or Dropbox or wherever you want to send it, and then you can yeah. analyze it from there. The band itself doesn't connect to the internet at all. It, it goes, it's a Bluetooth device, right? Yes, it is. That's the only, only radio the band has uh, today is, is Bluetooth. So let's uh, let's rewind now and just talk about what it is. Give us the elevator pitch for the Microsoft Band. Oh well, so so my my elevator pitch is to tell people that uh, the Band is a little bit more than just a fitness tracker. It is a really amazing fitness tracker. Uh, it has some great capabilities like uh, scripted workouts and things like that. I'm using it to try and what so far uh, a vain attempt to improve my my sleep habits, mm. uh, 
I have terrible sleep habits. And uh, so far, all the all that's happened is the band has told me how bad they are. Uh, but there is uh, an application that kind of helps you improve your sleep as well. Uh, but in the band, there's a package uh, in the band two. So there's two versions, band one and band two. Uh, the first version of the band had um, essentially 10 sensors in it. And I call them a mix of sort of hardware and virtual sensors. So the hardware sensors, things like accelerometers and gyroscopes, uh, are you know actual hardware sensors. But then there are things like uh, calories burned, which are more of a computed sensor, if you will. So there's no uh, calorie sensor there, but based on how far you're moving and how quickly you're moving, your heart rate, and some of those things, we can give you a figure on how many calories you're burning. But it would have to uh, have some other variables too, like your height and your weight and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And the Microsoft health app uh, will ask you for those. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can make some assumptions on averages if you don't yeah. uh, give that data. Uh, and the band two added a bunch of, uh, of new sensors. Uh, so uh, like a galvanic skin sensor, um, ambient light and barometer and altimeter and some of those types of things. In fact, I was, um, uh, well, the UV sensor has been on there for a while, but I was walking around Chicago the other day and my band buzzed at me. I took a look and it said, Hey, you've been out in the sun for, uh, you know, 35 minutes. Um, and UV is at this level, you know, you might want to think about some sunblock or getting out of the sun for a while. Interesting. That's cool. Uh, so yeah, let's it's, uh, it's, let's just let me let me just read down the sensor list here. So in mm-hmm. band one and two, they they both have an accelerometer, a gyroscope, distance. So they calculate what how how far you've walked, how many yep. steps, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, heart rate, a pedometer. Now, what's the difference between distance and pedometer? Dis- the pedometer is how many steps, and distance is actual miles, actual or miles or meters or okay. Yep. And then okay, so then there's temperature. So that's your body temperature. The, mm-hmm. the UV sensor, which you just talked about, right. um, band contact. Right. That's to tell me if the band is actually uh, closed on my wrist. So am oh. I actually wearing the band or is it just sitting off to the side somewhere? Oh, interesting. And then, of course, calories, which you talked about. All right. Now we have these, some of them you just mentioned, but let's go through them. Galvanic skin. What is galvanic? Oh, Richard's going to jump on that one. Uh, well, galvanic skin response is the measurement of the uh, of electrical activity across your skin. Yep, and that is an indication of what health condition. So, they, uh, typically, it's used to measure your uh, your body temperature um, on the band. But it also, I mean, you can tell that you're sweating because the, you know, the increase in moisture actually alters the conductivity too. Ah, right? and salt, right? Moisture and salt. Yeah. Okay, and then there's RR interval. Yeah, and that's sort of uh, an interval um, to to measure your heart rate. So it's um, um, I can't remember what resting our rate, maybe. So resting rest, rate interval, resting rate interval. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and ambient light we we talked about uh, barometer. That's pretty self evident, and so that's going to tell you if it's you know, hey, it's going to rain pretty soon. You might want to take cover, right? <laughs> <laughs> and an altimeter. Now, this is interesting. You, I've seen apps on uh, on smartphones that claim to know how you know your height and everything. The only and I know they don't have an altimeter, but I guess the only way they can tell is with GPS, right? So with the band, it actually is an altimeter. Really? Um, 
so from what I understand of the band, and I'm not sure exactly how the, uh, the hardware in it works, mm. but, uh, when I go up and down stairs, for example, in a building, it's still measuring, um, the, the fact that I've gone up and down, uh, steps. So probably with the barometric pressure change, you can, uh, tell mm. if your, um, if your altitude has changed, but even inside a building, it's counting, uh, if I'm going up or down floors. Wow. All right. Well, that's interesting. Okay. So where do we start in terms of how to program this thing? Um, if majority of our listeners are probably either web developers or windows developers or both. And, um, where, where do we start? Well, the, the simplest programming model on the band is something called a web tile. And you're not going to do a ton with the web tile, but you can think of it as, uh, having a, a little, RSS uh, reader on your wrist. So I could, for example, subscribe to a feed. In fact, I have a feed on my band that subscribes to the Azure uh, RSS feed. So I can kind of look at my band uh, at odd moments and say, oh, hey, look, there's two or three new things in that feed. Find out what's new uh, in Azure. And we actually have a little tile designer that's on the developer.microsoftband.com. Okay. <laughs> say that three times. Uh, that's the website to start. And there's a little designer that's on that website that will help you start with, uh, with web tiles. Uh, and essentially what you're going to do is, is point to some kind of, uh, RSS feed, uh, and design a layout for how that feed should show up on the band. Uh, so when you say web mm -hmm. tile, this is a native tile app that runs on the band that uses the the web connection through your phone or whatever to get right. this data right yeah essentially the the one that the the thing that's doing the heavy lifting is the microsoft health app on your phone right and what it's doing is it's just pushing content to a tile that's on the band okay. uh, so the tile on the band in fact the band when you're doing development for it uh, is fairly lightweight uh, most of the the uh, heavy lifting is done either in, in your backend services or in the, your app on your mobile device. And the band, think of it as a really uh, smart peripheral. Hmm. It's got a display uh, and some other thing and the, the sensors and a little motor for haptic feedback or yeah. vibration, haptic. Um, and that's all we're doing is we're pushing that content to one of those tiles from the Microsoft Health application. Uh, you know, an example of this is the Starbucks app. There is a Starbucks app for the band. But all of the heavy lifting is in that, that health, uh, the Microsoft health app on your phone, because that's where you actually put in your, your card information and, and all that stuff. Right. And then it transfers it to the band. But the only thing that the band app does is when you click on the Starbucks button, it pulls up the barcode from your card. Right. So that you can scan your wrist to pay for your Starbucks. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all it needs to do. Right? Sure. I would right. also point out, and I don't know how you feel about this, Stacey, but you wear the band on your inside wrist, right? I do. I, I do. Every picture I've seen seems to indicate that too, but that's actually really awkward to get scanned. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's almost like you're holding your hand out and you want someone to put something in it, right? <laughs> that's something like that. Yeah. Or you turn your wrist sideways because the scanner is always off to the side of the till. Like it, it's a, it's an awkward process. On the other hand, it looks cool. Yeah. Can I check in for a flight? I haven't seen an app for that. Yeah, I haven't seen any apps for that yet. Um, that would be a good one. I, I'd actually love that because uh, so many times I've gone to check in for a flight with the little code on my phone. 
mm. uh, and look down and my phone battery is almost dead and I'm wondering if I'm going to make it through security. Yeah. Uh, so that that's never fun. Uh, but the band seems to, you know, uh, that seems like that would be a good way to do it. Mm. The battery yeah, life on the band yeah. is remarkably good. The band too. <laughs> yeah, the two. I, does anybody have a one still? Uh, I've got a couple that I use for development. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually saw someone last night with one and I I said, you really need to update that. Yeah. Yeah, I typically throw my band uh, because the band is not waterproof and we can all sigh about that. um, I kind of throw mine on the charger uh, in the morning when I'm in the shower and uh, it, it charges to maybe, you know, it'll get up to an 80 some night, maybe 90% charge. And that lasts me all day. It wakes me up, uh, which I love having the band wake me up in the morning. Uh, my wife has a blaring alarm clock that scares the uh, living daylights out of me. Uh, but, but I have this band that's like this little gentle shake of your wrist that's saying, wake up, wake up. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Um, yeah, yeah, it is a good feature. And the problem is if you're supposed to wear it at night when you sleep and wear it in the day when you're moving around, then when the heck do you charge the darn thing? Yeah. Well, in the shower, when you're in the shower, just throw it on the charger when you're in the shower. Yeah. And then I, I have my charger at my desk because I'm here often enough that when I sit down to do some work, plug it into charge. Yep. Yeah. And it charges quickly enough that, it does. Uh, that that works out pretty well. I see people doing that in meetings. They'll take the band off and charge it during a meeting. Makes sense. Yeah. But if, have you, have you actually run it down? Cause I, it takes a couple of days. Yeah, I have not run it down. Um, well, not not the one that I wear. My uh, my dev band. Uh, so I have a band one and band two that I use for dev, and I have occasionally run those down when uh, when I'm you know in with customers for a few days straight, and I haven't really had a chance to do anything with them. Uh, in fact, one I just uh, just before the the call here, I uh, started charging one up, and it's already at ninety seven percent, and that's uh, yeah, pretty good. Uh, yeah. Good charge rate. So. so, with an RSS feed, mm-hmm. I can send data to this thing, this this tile on the band, mm-hmm. but it does have to go through the phone, right? So, there is sort of a timing. It, you can't guarantee delivery times or anything, can you? Um, you can't really guarantee delivery times, no. Um, you can, um, yeah, you, you can't. Um, so you don't know exactly when it'll come. And I think there's a frequency uh, that you can set uh, a refresh interval uh, in minutes that you can set. Right. So you can say, hey, I want it every you know, uh, X minutes. I, the minimum, if I remember correctly, is about 15 minutes. Um, I've spent most of my time doing, uh, doing the, the mobile app side of it and not the web tile side of it. Right. But... Uh, I remember a little bit of that. I think the minimum is 15 minutes. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a way to to do it faster than that outside of uh, writing your own code for it. Yeah. I mean, and certainly the experience I've had with it is, you know, I just like I described, I sit at my desk, my cell phone's here, my band is off. Then I go, oh, I got to go do something downstairs Mm -hmm. so you know because i'm fixing my house still i put the band on because i want the steps i leave the phone at the desk i go down two floors (laughs) so the bluetooth disconnects i'm downstairs Mm -hmm. for half an hour and a whole bunch of messages come in on messenger then when i come back upstairs and i get in bluetooth range my wrist has uh an epileptic seizure (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, okay, thanks very much. All right, everybody's talking. That's good. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That happens to me. Yeah, but you'll see, if you look at that that site, you'll see that the web tile, basically there's a manifest that gets created. So there's a you can go through the designer. It creates a manifest, which is basically a big JSON file that specifies things like the layout and uh, and you know, certain text bindings and things like that uh, that you can have in the web tile. You can actually get pretty creative if you go in there and modify that uh, that JSON. My understanding is that that will be getting even uh, more capabilities, but mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what those are yet. Uh, the, the band folks just kind of said, stay tuned. Uh, web tiles are going to be getting even better. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Uh, I must be that happy time again. Yeah, time to grab a rubber biscuit, pick up the no, pieces, man. and put the band back together. <laughs> yeah, we're going to just keep on doing Blues Brothers references today. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. It's actually time to give away a experience subscription from Developer Express to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy. So who's our winner? Today's winner is Joe Simmons from Durham in the UK. Oh, congratulations, Joe. Yeah. Golf clap for you, sir. You're going to get firsthand evidence of Mark Miller's awesomeness. <laughs> yes, indeed. With the D experience subscription from Developer Express. And if you don't know what we just did, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. And every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, but you got to sign up to win. Stacy, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend today on technology, what would you buy? Well, that's actually pretty easy for me. <laughs> uh, so so my, uh, my other hobby is photography, and I've been shooting Sony mirrorless cameras lately, Whoa. and they just came out with a whole bunch of new lenses. Awesome. <laughs> So, yeah, a bunch of new uh, F2.8 and F1.4 lenses that are just beautiful. And I think I would spend some money on some lenses. This is the next generation. This is SLR finally going true digital to get rid of that SLR part of the camera. Yeah, definitely. And I was shooting SLRs, Nikon, primarily for years. And I still have my Nikon gear. I, I, I love that gear. But mirrorless is, um, it's, you know, it's, to, to me, it's a, um, a more sort of intuitive way to shoot. Um, yeah. what I'm seeing on the screen is what the picture is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see if it's dark or if it's bright and all those types of things right there on the screen, on the viewfinder. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. 
Yeah, you know, the next level of this is like wearing some kind of headset that puts a, that projects what's going to be on the camera right to your eye. So you could really see it. You know, that's always the problem when you're looking through an SLR is you have all this additional data. You sort of have the HUD effect telling you about your picture, but it's still so much smaller than the actual photo. There's lots of things you're going to miss. Sounds like a job for HoloLens. Yeah, maybe it's a HoloLens app, right? Just having that extension so that you can really see the photo in detail before you take it. Yeah. We have that problem with video cameras, too. I mean, unless you connect an external monitor to a video camera, your viewfinder isn't going to do you justice for uh, focusing. And, and of course, autofocus only works in certain times. Yeah. Well, the whole concept of a viewfinder is archaic. It's from film. Yeah. Stop it. Right. Stacy, do you ever connect a large monitor to your camera so that you can see in detail? Only for, for studio portraits, I would do that. Yeah. Uh, but I, mostly these days, I've been doing a lot of uh, street shooting and uh, photo walks and things like that. So uh, you're just, you know, you're just out uh, shooting from the hip, as it were. You know, maybe a 13-inch monitor, like a USB monitor, that in a mm. harness slung to your chest. So you just look down and look at it, wired to a little computer and you're in a backpack on a battery, wired via Wi-Fi to your camera. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. I, then, of course, there, you know, since we're talking wearables, the next, uh, the next gen would be those contact lenses that just kind of project the image right on, in yeah. front of you. <laughs> yeah, those boy. are real. Yeah. Then you wouldn't appear rude. You just, people would wonder why you look spaced out so much. Yes, why your eyes are glowing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've read a couple of science fiction books now where the HoloLens type thing, the, they generally are referred to as visors, have proliferated the same way that smartphones has. So everybody's on the bus where they've all got this visor on and they're all staring off into space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like a, a bus full of rude. <laughs> <laughs> Hollow holes. Well, that's that's the same thing that happens right now, right? Everybody's on their phone. I took the train down to the hockey game last night. Everybody's on their phone. Guys getting on and off the train, never looking up. Yeah. It's really weird uh, to to be able to navigate life and always looking at your phone. To navigate life with your peripheral vision. So why wouldn't you just strap it to your face? (laughs) All right, all right, I want to jump back in because uh, we've talked about getting data onto the band. Now let's talk about getting data off the band. There's so many great sensors. There's so much you can do with this stuff. So uh, now we're talking APIs to write apps for iOS, for Android, for Windows, for Windows Phone. Do right. is is there still such a thing as Windows Phone? I- <laughs> I'll hold one up that no one else will be able to see, okay. but yes, there's such a thing. <laughs> That's good to know, I guess. Yeah. 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 It's hard to know what how to how to talk about that. It's kind of like your uncle who gets cancer or something. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. we, can we talk yeah, about it's, that? <laughs> it's there. Um and and there are those of us who, you know, use them still. Um yeah. but but yeah, we we you know, we realize that we've got to be cross platform and we do actually have uh, libraries, native libraries for uh, Windows, iOS, and uh, and Android, mm-hmm. uh, and then of course there's uh, cross-platform libraries from Xamarin as well. So Great. Uh, you can, if you want to go native, you grab the iOS uh, or Android libraries and just go native. Uh, write your code the way you always do, and you can access uh, the band and its sensors from there. Uh, but if you want to do cross-platform dev, 
uh, you know, tool like Xamarin is fantastic because then you can target all those sa- the platforms at once. And Xamarin is Microsoft now, so uh, that's yeah. interesting. Did that um, purchase change in a positive way your the way that you guys interact with APIs? So it's too early to know what the changes will uh, will be. Um, I, I think there's probably even another. Uh, well, at the time we're recording this. Uh, another day or two before it all becomes uh, official and, oh. and those employees are, uh, you know, officially part of Microsoft. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I imagine that there will be some changes. Uh, I mean, you've seen some of the, the cross-platform uh, work that we've worked on, uh, the, the bridge technology. Mm. And I can't uh, help but think that there's probably some influence that's going to happen there. But, uh, but I don't, you know, they, they don't tell me. I don't know for yeah. sure what's going to happen. But well, by now it's after build, right? Yeah, so we'll probably know more by the time the show is published, right? Yes, yeah, so if we could only send ourselves a message back in time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, band three, just wait yeah, for band, band three. three for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but accessing using those libraries is pretty simple. Uh, the band exposes uh, this sort of manager metaphor, where when you want to do something like connect to uh, the band. There's a client manager when you want to get things like notifications, uh, sensor re- or notifications uh, to the band. You can use notification manager. There's a sensor manager, uh, tile manager for managing you know, the placement of tiles and and what uh, they what the tiles actually look like, their layouts, uh, and then a personalization manager for things like uh, themes and colors and and that type of stuff that goes on on the band. Uh, so those five managers are really the main things. And uh, in the, the the class that I put together, we walk through uh, each one of those. I, well, except for personalization, I don't I don't really cover that one uh, much. But we walk through them in sort of a logical progression of uh, okay, here you are. Here's how you get connected. Find out how many bands are connected to your device because you actually can have multiple bands. Uh, I, I've often, often thought about a game where I, I use my my laptop and I have a band on each wrist and I can you know kind of conduct with the bands and use the accelerometers uh, and the band uh, to to you know kind of follow my my wrists and um, and do something. But uh, so we walk through this progression though of how you connect, uh, how you get access to sensors. Uh, there's even a security feature which uh yeah richard will like where i actually have to have permission to be able to access the sensor and i actually have to query the user is it okay for me to connect to your band is it okay for me to access this sensor uh, which is a, a good thing to have in a wearable cool yeah so is there any uh inconsistencies between these different api libraries let's say on android ios windows or are they all pretty much? Do they all pretty much get all the same data from the same place? They they are um, so that they all get the same data from the same place. There are a few things that um, have changed over time, actually, um, and we can talk about some of that. So if you go and look at the band documentation, the SDK documentation, it's basically a downloadable PDF. And you will find that if you look at individual calls, that they are slightly different from platform to platform, but they essentially do the same things. Mm-hmm. So uh, in one platform, you might have a class that exposes uh, Singleton, for example, 
where in the next platform, uh, the way you get to that, uh, like the BAM client manager, uh, the way you get to it uh, in Windows is that this thing is exposed as a singleton. The way you get to it from uh, the from Android would be to call the get instance hmm. uh, to get at that singleton, but then everything else kind of flows from there. Uh, so the, the API is pretty much one-to-one. Um, until recently, there were some things that you could not do on Windows Phone with background notifications, uh, which uh, the, the SDK has been updated to allow you to do these notifications even when the app is not in a full running state. Mm. Uh, you can use um, app services, which is part of the, uh, the new Windows uh, universal um, app platform. And with these app services, now your app can expose a service that can be called at any time to kind mm. of wake up a piece of code and respond. Hmm. Uh, and that wasn't uh, that wasn't there until uh, probably a couple weeks ago. Um, so that's a new new kind of capability. Um, but yeah, pretty much all of them are on on par with each other. I've thought about um, using the band in conjunction with other technologies such as Connect and maybe mm-hmm. even Hololens. And you think about a way that you could combine all three of those together, right? So let's say you're in the corner in a room and you got your HoloLens on and there's a connect that's looking in the room and it can identify people by their face when they walk into the room and read from their uh, band via the health API or the cloud API or whatever, what their resting heart rate is and just drop that heart rate right over their head. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, why? Yeah. I guess you know, in the in the ER, maybe that would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. But anywhere else, I'm trying to. I'm not necessarily thinking of a practical application. I'm just saying things that you can do. I was trying to decide if maybe there's a clubbing application in the works here. Oh no! <laughs> nice. Available? Yes. No. Swipe left. Swipe right. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine a room full of people with HoloLenses just running into each other. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> and, and you know, you're wearing a HoloLens, but above it, it shows you what this person looks like without the HoloLens on, right? Yeah, so you actually you see, see their, their face. You yeah. actually see their eyes. The avatar. <laughs> yeah. You better have a battery level monitor showing too, because they've all only got a few minutes before this is over. Or j- paste the avatar in real time right over their head so you can't see their actual face, but you only see an avatar of their face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the band team will be excited to work on that one. Nice. <laughs> and the HoloLens team. <laughs> but I mean, those are interactions you guys must have all the time. Like, how can we have all these great technologies that sort of have their own silos, but given given the fact that they can all communicate and right. we can access each other's data, I, I imagine those kinds of apps are, are really coming. I mean, forget about the Xbox, right? Mm-hmm. The Xbox, the Connect, the HoloLens, and the band all together. Hmm. Yeah, that, that does, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, taking all of these different sensors and, you know, doing sensor fusion as it's called to kind right. of, uh, really determine what the state of the world is. I can uh, imagine playing a game where you have to like pull up your band and like press the, the, the weapon button on your wrist to like shoot stuff out your, of your wrist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. For that matter, well, why have a button? You don't even need a button, do you? You just need to make a gesture. Yeah. I imagine scenario, healthcare scenarios where you use like the connect and the band uh, in concert to, you know, like we, we actually had, um, wow, 
a long time ago, we, we talked to someone who was using sensors in carpet to detect how a person's walking, um, so-called oh. gait detection, uh, right. to see if maybe an elderly person, their gait changes, they might be prone to falling very soon. And they found that just before a person falls, that their gait does change. And so they could kind of watch this. Imagine you can do that now with something like a connect sensor. Uh, you mm. can use the sensors from the band to see if the, maybe the person's swinging or swaying in a different way. Um, and beep, 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 beep. you need to sit down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's time to, it's time to sit down. Things are not the way they normally are. Your, you know, your heart rate is changing. The connect has noticed that you're moving kind of funny. The band accelerometers say you're moving funny. Probably want to sit down for a few minutes yeah. while we get you some help. Uh, so, so I imagine some things like that would be really cool scenarios. Or you're basically sending a precognitive help. I've fallen and I'm about to fall and I won't be able to get up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the precog. Oh, we laugh yeah. now, but you know, when we're 90, we're going to be uh, crying. We'll be crying at Richard. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually building a mobile app for a phone mm-hmm. that then is deploying pieces of itself onto a band. So can I use an emu- like, can I use an Android emulator and somehow still make the connection to the band device when I'm doing development? So the, the main thing you need is, so you, you can do a, a phone or, uh, or uh, a laptop or desktop PC, so phone or PC with Bluetooth. And actually, I do most of my band dev right from a Windows app running on a PC, and right. then I can deploy that to my phone later. But you, the, the key criteria is that you have to have Bluetooth capability. So right. most of the emulators out there that, that I've seen, and I, I, uh, I'd love to be wrong about this, don't support Bluetooth from the emulator. That's exactly what I was thinking. Is like yeah. actually having Bluetooth running through the emulator is a hard part, but you don't have to involve the phone initially. Right, right. So, so initially what I do is a universal app um, or, uh, or a Xamarin app, and I will test it under Windows running uh, on a PC and then later deploy it to the device to test it on the device. Yeah, because I'm thinking about a native iOS developer who's probably not going to want to do that. Mm-hmm. So they're going to yeah, they're going to yeah. want to build on their Mac, deploy to the phone, to then deploy to the band. Yep. Yeah. If if you're running native, and the the deployment process really just so the the deployment of code only occurs to the phone. The only things that go to the band. Uh, that you actually ever send to the band are the, the, you send the tile and the tile layouts. You don't actually send any code over to the band and you, uh, send notifications. So dialogues or messages when those occur, uh, you send those to the band and those will show mm-hmm. up either, uh, on the, the main, uh, screen of the band or as messages within your tile. Uh, but but the band itself is never receiving any code from you, right? But I mean, how do you how do you render that t- like? You, I mean, I must said tile information and sort of instructions about what sensors you want to get back. And so, getting sensors, um, you can actually get sensors without even having a tile on the band. You right. just you talk to the sensor manager, uh, you get user consent, um, and then you you start receiving the sensor data. You. Uh, you can actually set an interval and then you just say, okay, start sending me data and you'll start getting that data in your application right away. Now, if you want to go back to the band and send data, you ask for permission to install a tile. 
And when the user consents, uh, if the user consents, uh, then you install that tile and that tile has some associated layouts with it. And these layouts, uh, imagine, uh, sort of like XAML type, uh, idea, but all in code. Uh, no, no actual XAML is ever harmed in this process. Um, so you're doing <laughs> this in code. You're creating, uh, a hierarchy as if you were to code those, like the, the, those UIs in, um, well, like in Windows, like if you ever looked at the code that's rendered by XAML, it's like, oh, I'm going to create uh, a root, and then I'm going to add this little thing as a child element, mm-hmm. and you kind of walk through that process uh, in code. Now, a few, probably a month or so ago, uh, we did release a designer uh, that you can get that will write that code for you. Uh, the oh, wow. designer is still... Um, a preview designer, uh, but it's basically a, a Visix, a Visual Studio extension that you install, and you can go and do like a little visual design um, with this uh, tile designer, and it creates the tiles and the layouts and the whole bit for you, and it just generates that code. You can go and look at that code and see what it's doing. Mm. So that's the band studio for Visual Studio? That is the, uh, yeah, it's called uh, Visual Studio Designer for Microsoft Band. Okay. Uh, if you go to developer.microsoftband.com and click the, um, under band SDK, click the get started button and it will show you Microsoft band tile designer preview as one of the additional resources there. Mm -hmm. And you can just click that guy Uh, and basically it just installs into visual studio and it really aids in, in doing that, uh, that layout. First time I wrote my, my lab, I actually did all the layout manually because we didn't have that designer and that was probably one of the most grueling parts of the entire lab just slogging out that that code and trying to make it so that people could understand so so here we're trying to understand how to write code for the band or how to interact with sensors and do useful Mm -hmm. things and we're slogging through layout code and that's not fun and that's not part of the real value right and you're going through that iterative deploy out to the device, look at it. Does that make sense? Make a tweak, go through that cycle again. Like it all takes time. Exactly. And, and it's, it's, it's not fun. So this design, mm-hmm. this uh, tile designer just made a world of difference. Uh, and, and even if you were going to write uh, an iOS or Android application, you could use this tile designer design your tile and then essentially you know you have to do some translation of the code because it's generating c-sharp code but it still saves you a ton of work uh and so even if you were translating that code manually it's a lot easier to just go and lay a bunch of things out and translate some code than try to do that iterative deployment process as you mentioned right so where do we get started with uh with band programming so the best Best place is developer.microsoftband.com. That's where you will find all of the documentation that you need to get started. Uh, We will be uh, at the Microsoft MTCs doing some workshops for some of our uh, customers. So uh, a few customers will will probably get some emails about that. If you're you're near a local MTC, uh, ask them about that. Tell them, you know, Stacy sent you and uh, it's part of this, this more personal computing initiative. Uh, so we're trying to fill up uh, s- some workshops with customers who are interested in doing band development. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that that website is your main place to go, main place to get started. 
if you don't have a band, there is actually um, uh, a virtual band. It's called, um, oh, what's the project called? Band on the Run, I think is the name of the project, uh, which is a sort of band emulator that runs on the PC. And uh, you can use that band emulator. I haven't tried it yet, uh, but I'm looking to, to try that soon just in case we get overloaded with folks who want to do our workshop and we mm-hmm. don't have enough actual bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, the band just dropped in price. So go buy one and try it. It's kind of fun. Well, tell us a little bit more just before we leave here about the Microsoft Technology Centers. Some of these are new and have popped up all over the place now. Yeah, we have um, just over 30 uh, around the, the world. And they are, so the Microsoft Technology Center is a place where we get our, our uh, enterprise customers mainly, but we also work with uh, some of our other uh, market customers in to really envision and tailor solutions to their needs. So the idea is, is to come in with a sort of a blank slate with a business problem and we help design a strategy for solving that business problem. Uh, what, you know, figure out what it is, whether we can solve it. Uh, and then when we get down to the point of technology, we'll spend time. And that, that's usually with business folks, by mm-hmm. the way. That's called a strategy briefing. It's usually with the business uh, folks and some, some representatives from IT as well. Uh, but then when we have a, a sort of solution in mind, we do architecture design sessions. So we spend a couple of days at whiteboards just laying out everything. And we've worked from, I mean, you've seen the, the kinds of projects that I've been able to work on in my, in my bio. Mm. Uh, but we do architecture design sessions at the whiteboard and, uh, and really kind of hash out some alternative solutions for them. And then once we get to that point and we say, okay, we want to go down this path, but we may have some things that we're not sure about. We may want to prove this thing out a little bit before we fully invest in it. Uh, we will do a proof of concept with the customer. Uh, and that's usually a, a week or two where we put hands on keys and build a slice of the solution. Uh, and, and that's, it, it's one of those things that it's a big investment from Microsoft. So we don't take it lightly when we do those. We don't do them for everyone, mm. but uh, we spend the money and the time to really make sure that the customer has the right solution. Um, we also do workshops, uh, so hands-on workshops and labs. We do tons of community events. Uh, right. So we have folks like DigiGirls and um, and some of those groups in uh, all the time uh, at the MTC. We bring in high schools, local uh, middle schools, high schools, uh, and have technology days and hands-on labs with those folks as well. Um, so it's really it's a center that's all about innovation and working with the community and working with our our customers and partners Hmm. Um, and it's a big playground for me because i get to build all kinds of fun toys and you've got a great job (laughs) oh i have the best job in the world (laughs) i have the best job ever awesome well stacy thanks for spending this hour with us it's been great having you here oh thanks very much and uh, um, like i said hopefully if you guys get to michigan come visit us and uh, next time i have a, a cool topic for a show i'll let you know definitely until then we'll see you next time .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios. 
a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and of course in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.